Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to this episode of Podcast Rebellion. I'm joined as always by Whiskey Wednesday. Uh, it has been a while since we posted a a podcast. Um, that is a product of us not being obligated to advertisers and just being able to pod when we feel like it's important to do so. So, yeah, enjoy. Uh, <laughs> um, I have, well, right now my stomach is in knots, so uh, I'm, I'm certainly not drinking at the moment, um, but I, <laughs> this super, uh, super exotic uh, beer I purchased the other day, I have a 12-pack of Shiner Box, uh, and yeah, I, I don't know what your thoughts on Shiner are, but I think it's a, a pretty good beer. It's been a hot minute since I had a Shiner Box, but... Mm-hmm. I remember if you see it on a list of kind of basic American beers, like that's the one to get. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would definitely take it over any other non-craft. Oh, oh, here's a, here's a question. Shiner versus Sam Adams. You're going Shiner, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Okay. What about you? What have you been drinking? Um, Man, all sorts of things. I got, uh, <laughs> this is very silly. It reminds me of when I was working in the service industry in Oxford. We got a bottle of Rumplemints uh, around Christmas time, or maybe right after. Um, for those who aren't in the know, it, it is a 100 proof uh, syrupy peppermint liqueur um, that tastes like you just brush your teeth and then someone slapped you in the face. Um, and it was like, the thing that people drank in bars and restaurants in Oxford circa like 2008. Uh, so I've been sipping on that and tonight I'm drinking some, some nice Jamaican rum. Um, so I know of people shooting that, but is, are there cocktails people make? I don't necessarily think so. I guess you could maybe sub it for creme de menthe in a cocktail or something, but it would probably not be so good. So we usually just like put an ice cube in it and let it get chilled and a little bit watered down. It's pretty good. Yeah. I guess it would overpower almost any cocktail. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we're recording this actually while Ole Miss basketball is playing its, uh, first round sec tournament game against South Carolina. At the moment, there are three minutes left in the game. Ole Miss leads by seven. Uh, so, you know, by the time you listen this, listen to this, we will know the outcome of this game. I'm going to assume Ole Miss wins. You never know. Uh, it also kind of doesn't really matter. Uh, obviously like I always want Ole Miss to win, but you know, this season is over. There's no saving it. Win case is not going to ultimately win the, uh, head coaching job unless like he <laughs> wins the SEC tournament and <laughs> then he would still have to do some stuff I, I in my opinion to kind of like get there um yeah. but that is the the topic du jour so rumors swirling that uh Chris Beard either has been hired or will be hired or is on a short list or is not being hired uh, but it seems that more 
more and more rumors are pointing in the direction of uh, that Chris Beard is expected to be the hire. And now um, some personalities in like ESPN and I think even the athletic have started uh, reporting around like this is expected. They're doing due diligence. It's along in the process, all that sort of stuff. Um, so <laughs> I've listened to uh, a number of podcasts. Uh, I, I consume Ole Miss media as well, uh, obviously. And um, I, I think it's pretty fascinating to me so far how, um, I don't know, everybody seems fully on board with the Chris Beard thing. Yeah, I have been pretty surprised by that too. I figured it would be at, at least pretty evenly sp- split controversial and maybe outside of that small bubble it is. Um, I mean, Olness is certainly going to catch a lot of PR hits for it and, you know, well-deserved in, in my opinion, if that's yeah. the direction they decide to go. Um, I didn't want to talk about it for a long time, but I think it's worth mentioning that hiring Chris Beard, and I'm not going to go like deep into, you know, the police report or, you know, his, his legal troubles or relationship troubles or whatever. But um, I think the hire will alienate a portion of the fan base that is, big enough where it's, it's going to hurt some things. Um, and I'd have to say I'm, I'm leaning towards that camp, uh, of, yeah, me too. You know, not really following the program at all. Uh, if he's hired and it, I don't know. I, I've seen all sorts of justifications on, you know, message boards, Twitter, whatever. Um, saying things like, well, you know, we'll take a little PR hit, but you know, it'll go away once we start winning or, you know, making whatever excuses for his behavior or, you know, having been cleared by the police or whatever. But to me, I think if a, if a football player or something was accused of something similar, um, it'd be viewed in a different light. And and it's weird to me that you would have lower standards for someone that's going to be actually on your payroll, uh, in a coaching position, you know? Yeah. Um, I actually fall into the same camp. It, it will be difficult for me to uh, get excited about the rebuild and following the portal and all those things. Um, if, if he's the higher, um, I think that, you know, for me, um, I, I do understand the argument people make around, Hey, the, the charges were dropped and, uh, you know, it, it, it at that point becomes a bit of a he said, she said kind of thing. And yes, it's logical to take an approach of uh, when that is the case and you don't know uh, that you just sort of disregard, I, I guess. I, 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 I can understand the line of thinking that, that gets there. I just think that for, to me, like, the police came, there was this report, there was some level of evidence of this, of something having happened. Uh, she even, in her statement recanting, 
well, semi-recanting, she said that her actions to break, I, I'm paraphrasing, this is not exactly what she said, but I, I hope I'm capturing the spirit of the, of the quote. Her actions to break his glasses provoked, or no, led, led to whatever, made things physical, uh, le led to a physical altercation or something like that. Um, and then she says, goes on to say, uh, he, I know he's saying that it's in self-defense and I won't refute that. Um, I just don't think that's enough. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, it's tough to judge without knowing. I, look, I, I understand the difficulty of this whole process and that's why it's not as easy as simply Ole Miss isn't going to hire Chris Beard or everyone's fully on board with hiring Chris Beard because there's so much gray area that is unknown about what happened that night. But this happened three months ago. He was arrested for felony assault, felony sexual assault or something like that. I, I don't know the exact charge. Uh, the charges were ultimately dropped. No, no, no charges were pressed on him. Um, but three months uh, you know, is very recent. <laughs> and I, I just don't... I, I said this in a, in a group chat as well, but like if, if Ole Miss was deciding to do this after this happened to Chris Beard five years ago, he, he accepted some smaller mid-major job, had a pristine record there, uh, you know, upstanding member of the community, all that sort of stuff. I think then you can say, okay, like probably did some things he, he regrets at that time, but learning experience, uh, and even that is like really problematic and difficult, but like you, you can see how your headspace gets there. Like Ed Orgeron had a background when he was hired. Uh, but it was like during his time at Miami, he had a drinking problem. He sort of like redeemed himself on some level and, and you could see Chris Beard following a similar arc. Uh, it's just that like three months is maybe not that arc time span. Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely agree. And another thing, like I said, we keep seeing things on message boards, Twitter, whatever, saying like, it doesn't matter. Um, this will blow over. Like once he starts winning, it won't matter. I mean, that's an odd attitude to have for a, a fan of college sports. It's like, if winning is all that matters, like go root for Alabama, you know, like, yeah. I think with college athletics, you want your team, your school to like have some semblance of shared values with, with you. And, and I think more people feel that way than, you know, than feel like winning is all that matters. Um, and I think you risk alienating a fair number of those people. Yeah. I also think like if you're, uh, you know, Oh, it'll be a PR hit and then it'll blow over. Like that, the PR hit is not why I don't want to do it. It's because I don't want to hire a person who did something like that. And look, it's alleged he, you know, again, it hasn't been proven all that sort of stuff, but, um, you know, I don't want to hire someone who was arrested for allegedly strangling his fiance uh, and a, a number of other things after she broke his glasses. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I'm fine with leaving it at that. I mean, I feel like we yeah. can kind of yeah, 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 yeah. pat that yeah. ball back and forth all night, right. but right. kind of hope he doesn't get hired. Okay, so then the, the question is, um, who would you hire? So uh, a, a number of other things have sort of been, I, I, I've talked to several people who have said that like, uh, one of the reasons Chris Beard is in heavy contention for the job is because when Ole Miss approached some other people that was considering they, those other people sort of said no. Um, and yeah, that's to be expected. Ole Miss is a really bad job. And uh, Ole Miss is the worst basketball program in the SEC. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing. And the fans don't get behind basketball. They will support a winner, but we've proven that winning is very hard. And, um, yeah, so I get it. Uh, and so I think that you have to go with mid-majors. Um, and to me, like, I don't see how Ryan Odom, who is currently at Utah State, turns down Ole Miss. Um, so Ryan Odom took University of Maryland, Baltimore County, UMBC, to the tournament years ago and upset UVA 16, 16 seed upset the one seed. It's the only time it's ever happened. Uh, and then soon after, I think maybe a year later, two years later, he was hired by Utah state. He has them going to the tournament now. And I think his third year, I don't have his, his profile pulled up right now, but uh, he has them, them going to the tournament now and has this like incredibly up-tempo, system he his team leads the ncaa in three-point percentage uh and that is on you know lots of attempted shots uh so certainly modern basketball and what is what lane kiffin would say the analytics have shown will uh will help him win uh he he would be my hire yeah uh i mean I think from from all the candidates I've heard, that's about the strongest resume and most intriguing. Um, another name that I don't hate is Dusty May at Florida Atlantic. Um, I know he doesn't have you know an amazing record, hasn't like brought a bunch of teams to the tournament, and doesn't have a ton of head coaching experience. I guess in general, I guess he his first head coaching job was in twenty eighteen. Um, or that's when he started at Florida Atlantic, but I mean, he's a young coach, um, learned under Bobby Knight and carrier up and like, I don't know, <sighs> over a guy with a ton of red flags, I, I think Dusty May is, is still a good choice. Um, so forced to pick a, a second guy. I think I'd pick him. Yeah, uh, I actually just looked it up. Uh, Ryan Odom is making eight eight hundred k a year at Utah State, wow. so yeah. we could triple that, um, which it's hard to turn down. I mean, he'll probably have other suitors as well, but yeah, I would feel much better about that. And I think that you know people would say, well, would he get the fan bases energized? Would he be able to recruit at the same? I, I understand, <laughs> uh, but he's a really good coach. He has done fantastic things at much smaller schools with far fewer resources. And um, I think that he would win 
and win quickly enough that people got interested regardless of the fact that he wasn't a flashy or splashy hire. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of forgot about Will Wade. I feel like he's kind of been lumped in with Chris Beard, but I mean, that's kind of silly given that his only, you know, issue is, you know, being caught up in like a, a pay for play scheme, which is now just the, the law of the land anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, the tough thing for him is, like, the NCAA still hasn't sort of, like, said what's going to happen. And so there's a lot of risk in making that your head coaching hire. But, I mean, to your point, like, it's preposterous. You know, the NCAA still contends that, like, you can't do pay-for-play and all that kind of stuff. But, like, come on. <laughs> Everyone understands what's happening. Everyone gets it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, yeah, so let's actually stop, stop talking about basketball. Uh, we have had some football things happen since we last spoke quite a while ago, but uh, some, some big things. Uh, Ole Miss has a new special teams coach, Jake Schoonover? Schoonover? Schoonover. Schoonover? Who knows? One of those two, probably. S-C-H-O-O-N-O-V-E-R. That's a cool Yeah, he was at Arkansas State. And uh, before that, he was at Kansas. Uh, oh, I should say, Marty Biaggi, who was the special teams coach, left for Notre Dame. Uh, and then the next day or two days later, uh, Ole Miss hired this guy. Yeah, uh, didn't, didn't fret over that decision for a long time. <laughs> certainly suggests that like they knew what was up and had some Kiffin had some plans there. Yeah, um, I mean. I don't have any huge opinions on Biagi or Schoonover. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they do anything different with the the punting game, which you know had a really rough end to the season. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the the kicking competition looks like between Caden Costa and ugh, the guy from A and M. What's his name? Caden Davis. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Caden Costa and Caden Davis, the dual yep. dual Cadens. Um, so, you know, that'll be worth keeping an eye on. But other than that, you know, it's a special teams coach. Um, in other coaching turnover news, um, running backs coach Markel Blackwell uh, was hired by Texas A&M for the same position. And Ole Miss, again, very quickly hired Miami running backs coach Kevin Smith, who you may recognize as the former running backs coach of Ole Miss. Uh, <laughs> do you think Henry Parrish who fought, do you think Henry Parrish who followed Kevin Smith to Miami was like, Hey, uh, can I reverse transfer as well? Is that possible? Yeah. I mean, probably he probably thinks that, but I mean, I don't, I don't know what would have happened with Henry Parrish on the team last year anyway, you know, especially if they still got both, uh, Zach Evans and Ulysses Bentley. I mean, he would have been helpful when Zach Evans was injured. Uh, yeah, for sure. But yeah, uh, I'm not fretting about that having lost him. Um, yeah, um, yeah I, I will say like it's interesting. So Kevin Smith had been with Kiffin for quite a while. Uh, they were together at FAU, and he followed Kiffin to Ole Miss. And then he left for, I mean, lateral lateral move. Like I don't think that, I think it, it would be tough to argue that the running backs coach job at Miami is a 
a remarkable step up from the running backs coach job at Ole Miss. Um, no, no, especially when Ole Miss is winning and Miami is not so much winning. Yeah, I mean, like he's from Florida, so you know, obviously that played a factor in everything. But goes there for one year and then comes back, comes back to Oxford. Mm-hmm. Grass is not always greener, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, I, I really like that upgrade. I don't, I don't think there's any situation where like Kevin Smith was uh, a letdown in Miami, and they were kind of trying to like nudge him out. I don't think that. Was oh, the it case. definitely didn't seem that way. I mean, Markel Blackwell could not have done better during his one year at Ole Miss. So I, I wish that we had not lost him. But yeah, but I mean, Kevin Smith made Snoop Connor and Jerry and Ely look. Uh, probably better than they actually are, especially Ely. I don't know. Kevin uh, Smith also got Quinshawn Judkins to commit to Ole Miss. That is true. That is true. And think... got Zach Evans to... Uh, well, actually, he was already gone when Zach Evans announced he was transferring, wasn't he? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I like yeah. that move a lot. Um, yeah. Instead of pulling in someone new at kind of a weird time, because... Uh, Blackwell was hired away kind of after the main, you know, flurry of coaching changes. So you always worry, like, are we going to have to settle for someone when that happens, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that these definitely don't appear to have been like scramble. We don't have anybody to hire. So just take a flyer on somebody and see what you want to do next year when you have a, uh, another opportunity these appear to be thought out hires. I mean, you know, it's, it's weird to say that about just getting the the band back together with Kevin Smith. Um, And I, I do think that you could make an argument that uh, Kiffin has recently hired too many guys that he has coached with before. uh, And that like getting outside of his, uh, of his experience with, with some of those guys would probably be a, a helpful thing and expanding the, the reach of some coaching hires, but it's okay. It's fine. They're, they're good coaches. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably somewhat common in, in coaching circles is like, you kind of have a, a Rolodex of, of your guys, you know, or guys that sure. you know and have connections with. And especially Kiffin. I mean, everything we've heard about him is that he's like kind of a quirky guy and like maybe not the easiest to work for. And so maybe hiring guys that he's familiar with is like, okay, you know, you know what the culture is going to be like. Yeah. Uh, it is a little like if you think about how Kiffin clearly wants to have the, well, in some ways clearly wants the program to be, to mirror Alabama as best he can. Cause you know, he's talking about adding more analysts and you know, all that sort of stuff. Right. Uh, Nick Saban does not hire guys that have previously coached at Alabama. He hires who he thinks will be the next really good coach at that position. And then they know they're not going to stay there for long. And he knows they're not going to stay there for long, but while they're there, they need to do great work. And uh, that doesn't seem to be exactly what's happening. Although there is tons of coaching turnover and those coaches are leaving for higher prestige jobs, higher prestige programs like Notre Dame, like Texas A&M, that sort of thing. So I think that Kiffin could sell that. 
um, even if we as Ole Miss fans don't really want to admit that lateral moves to other programs that are better is <laughs> is a is a selling point. Yeah, yeah, I, exactly. A um, couple of recruiting items. Um, so I did a couple of long articles on Red Cup about um, the 2024 recruiting class for Mississippi and how it seems like it's really, really deep. Um, uh, so let's see. First, so Ole Miss has had two commits. They have, um, or they had Jordan Lockhart, a linebacker from California, um, who decommitted uh, over the weekends. He's taken a ton of visits to Alabama, and then Southern Cal is recruiting him really hard as well. So he's, you know, kind of a low four star. Um, definitely a guy that sucks to lose. Um, but then Ole Miss gained a commitment from Fred Clark from Winona, uh, also linebacker, not rated as highly, but, you know, has good offers, has great size. Um, and so it was kind of neat to go ahead and get the ball rolling with the 2024 class from Mississippi, because there are a ton of defensive guys there, especially. And, uh, it, it seems like maybe that's a good sign that Pete Golding is already, uh, reeled in a commit from that from that group of guys. Yeah, uh, and he's from Winona, which I associate with Mississippi State, so that's cool. Uh, a a relatively unheralded yet well sized defensive player <laughs> from Mississippi State territory with a Mississippi State offer committed to Ole Miss in March. That is yeah. like just crazy town. Yeah. Um, I, I also yeah. wonder like, so Jordan Lockhart decommits and then a day or two later, Fred Clark commits. I, I, I wonder if they're, if the timing is related in any way. I mean, I thought about that. Maybe I mean, not. Right. Because like, it's not like there's only one linebacker spot left in the class or something like no. that. But I don't know. Maybe there were some conversations around, like, I don't know. Jordan Lockhart did not commit to Pete Golding. Jordan Lockhart commit, committed to a staff that was headed by Chris Partridge. So, you know, things could yeah. be different. Yeah, so the connection with, with Lockhart, you know, like we said, he's from California. His brother, uh, Danny Lockhart, is a walk-on linebacker who was at Southern Cal and then transferred to Ole Miss. Um, and so, you know, his family seemed like big, big Ole Miss advocates for a while. So it's kind of interesting to see him decommit. So I don't, I don't know what Danny's status will be, if there will still be some pull there, if, if Lockhart could come back in the fold. Um, it'd be cool if he did. I mean, he looks like a really good prospect. Yeah. You have to think that's over there, right? Uh, yes, but. I don't know. We'll see. Mm -hmm. His uh, Danny Lockhart did play. Uh, he he only played on special teams, uh, but he he did play this season. Well, yeah, that's cool for a walk on to get on the field at all. Is like yeah, it's pretty cool. Um. Oh, uh, by the way, Ole Miss basketball won sixty-seven to sixty-one, and will face Tennessee tomorrow, or yeah, tomorrow. <clears throat> um. Cool. So you know that's another game to watch, I guess. 
if you if you want. <laughs> if you want. Uh, spring football is coming soon, um, and I think that it it will matter more than most springs. Although I think that now, like springs are just going to start mattering with yeah. the transfer portal being being what it is. Yeah, that's a really good point, um, and especially with you know Kiffin bringing in two new quarterbacks. I'm I'm guessing that's what you're alluring to with why it matters more than most springs. But I mean, I'm... yeah, but I mean, I just think that in general, like there are lots of you know, I want to see what Trey Harris does. I want to see Monty Montgomery. You know, I want to like learn like are these people solidifying their spots or are we still yep. going to have a QB battle in August? Yeah, yeah. New defensive coordinator, new defensive scheme, some, you know, hopefully some some new guys that weren't utilized under Chris Partridge might emerge and, and become playmakers. Um, so, yeah, lots of definitely lots of stuff to look at. Um, something we've been hearing is that Spencer Sanders, uh, the you know quarterback transfer from Oklahoma State, um, is not throwing. He has some sort of shoulder yeah. injury. He appears to be going through workouts otherwise, but is not throwing the football, which uh, is something that quarterbacks notably do. Uh, so that'll be <laughs> worth worth keeping an eye on. Um, and if he's not throwing in spring ball, like what are you going to do? You going to name him the starter? What a weird. Like, what no. this is so weird. This whole Spencer Sanders thing is just so strange. It's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. I mean, I mean, okay. Here's the only thing that I'll say. Uh, in the past two days, I or yet actually just today, I have watched uh, Jackson Dart highlights from this year, and uh, or I guess this past season, and then Matt Corral highlights from the season before, and I will definitely agree that Jackson Dart is not Matt Corral. Uh, clearly, clearly Matt Corral is really, really special. Uh, this season, Jackson Dart did not look that, like that. Uh, but I think that everyone, <laughs> uh, all Ole Miss fans that I've spoken with, I guess there are a few people on message boards who I think have taken crazy pills, but thinks that Jackson Dart proved himself to be a pretty good quarterback. And yet, we brought in Spencer Sanders. We don't need to rehash this. We've talked about it in the past. But anyway, if he can't throw, <laughs> then, you know, it just adds another layer to the absurdity of spending all the NIL, or so much NIL on him and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm yeah. interested to see which linebackers step up. Um, like, two guys who redshirted, I think they both actually played in four games, but but you can still do that in redshirt. Uh, Tyler Banks and Trip White last season. Um, do they become like significant contributors? Trip Trip White played a lot in the second half of a blowout win, and I want to say got like seven tackles or something like that. He did. I was just about to mention that. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I think both of them have a lot of promise for guys that came in ranked pretty low. Um, I think those are two really good finds. But, you know, when you change defensive schemes, like, who knows what's going to happen. But, yeah, it'd be cool to see them continue to, to progress. And then, you know, Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste came in from Central Florida. It'll be interesting to see if they think of him as a starter or if he is just, like, a valuable rotation guy. 
Um, they lost Austin Keys, and I don't know. I think he could be a pretty similar guy to Austin Keys. Um, and then Monty Montgomery, like you said, um, yeah, I really want to see him. Like he he could be average in the SEC. He could be really good in the SEC. He could be bad. I mean, we don't we really yeah. don't know what to expect out of him at all. So I think that'll be really fun to see. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I just checked, uh, Tyler Banks did not redshirt. He, he played in enough games that he did not. Um, uh, let's move on to baseball. Uh, this, is, this will be our last topic, but we'll spend some time here. Um, baseball season, Ole Miss is really quite good. Uh, on a, you know, we, we may not have expected that. Just kidding. Um, We have lost two games, uh, and yesterday, it will be two days ago uh, for you listening to this, uh, beat Southern Miss in a 11-5 win. Uh, Ole Miss has lost, we lost to Louisiana Tech 6-5, and we lost the Friday night of game to Maryland, who is ranked number 13, 9-2. We had trouble hitting them, and they abused us uh so you know 11 and 2 that's great Ole Miss is still currently ranked as high as number four depending on which which poll you're looking at uh struggle to pitch I think some of that is coming together and um you know Mike Bianco is piecing together what his rotation will look like and who will come in in relief and uh we got have time to sort all that out. Um, the Hunter Elliott injury. Let's talk about that because I guess it still could be the case that he's out for the year or something like that, but it would have to go against what the expectation is at the moment. Yeah. And I think Ole Miss sort of established the blueprint last year that they don't need to be hot all year. That's almost been a fatal flaw that Ole Miss has had. Uh, they look like world beaters for the entire regular season, pretty much, and then kind of run out of gas and then did just the opposite last year. So, like, maybe that's something that, that Mike Bianco is kind of banking on. He's like, you know, I have time to, to really hone in my pitching rotation to really try a lot of guys. Um the offense, again, I, I've not watched any Ole Miss baseball yet. My <laughs> job schedule is very weird. Um, don't want to get into that, but haven't had the opportunity yet. But from what I gather, the offense is really good. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's really good. Uh, and so that's a pretty good way to hide from some pitching uncertainties. But, yeah, the, the Hunter Elliott injury, um, I don't know much about – baseball injuries and stuff like that. But I mean, for, for those who <laughs> haven't heard, it seemed like there was, he was held out of the Maryland series. Right. And there, he was talking about like tightness in his arm and everybody's like, Oh my God, he's done for the year. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. dig a grave. For, uh, forearm tightness is like the, is it's like the thing you don't want to hear when there's a yeah, baseball injury. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess that often, often means, uh, what is the lens Frank injury or whatever causes Tommy John surgery? Did I just totally make that up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it. Uh, it, yeah. I mean, t- Tommy John's for a pitcher 
who, or sorry, for a baseball player who is not a pitcher, uh, which is not a very common surgery, but it is a surgery that happens. It can take like 10 months to recover. Uh, if you are a pitcher, then you're putting crazy stress on your arm to, you know, do your job. And so they say that you can pitch any, anywhere from 12 to 14 months after the surgery. Uh, but it is not, it is not uncommon for it to take up to two years from the time the surgery is done for you to like get back to normal, so to speak. Yeah. In which case, like if you're in the middle of a college or I don't know, if you're a few weeks into a college season and then you have to have this surgery, then it's like, okay, well that season's done. And the next season is mostly done too. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty awful timing. So hopefully they can just really, really rest him and he'll be ready to go in. I think they said late April. Yeah. Yeah. So fingers crossed that works. I mean, don't rush it. Like Uh, it's fine. This, this team will make the postseason. Just get healthy, dude. Just, Mm -hmm. just get healthy. Uh, Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned the offense. So I have watched the team a whole lot. Um, There are, I actually think that batting average, I'm of the camp that thinks batting average is an overrated stat, Uh, but there are four current Ole Miss starters, like everyday starters. They've started all 13 games. Who are hitting 400 or higher on, on the season uh, and like small small sample size it's only 13 games but like geez that is just crazy and Anthony Calarco is at 390 jeez yeah uh, it is it is wild man but no uh yeah the like on base percentage um Jacob Gonzalez has, <laughs> Jacob Gonzalez has reached base 55.4% of his plate appearances. I did that he in is, Little League, I think. <laughs> he is more likely to get on base than not. Wow. Uh, Ethan Groff, 53.8%. And then you have the drop below below the 50% mark, sadly. But <laughs> just so that you know, like even even a 400 on base is just like crazy good. <laughs> so 55 yes. is, is nutso. Um yeah, and you got somebody like Ethan Groff, who is also slugging 714, which means that his OPS, which is on base plus slugging, is a 1.252. Anything over 1,000 is, like, not so good. Uh, and even, like, numbers below 1,000 are still quite good. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they're just, they're just raking. They are hitting for average. They're getting on base, and they are knocking it out of the park. So, yeah, this team might just be for a while until they're able to figure it out. They might just be one of those teams that just wins a lot of like 11 to seven games. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. I, I think yeah. that's probably slightly less stressful than normal Bianco ball of winning games two one. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah. I think that's probably going to do it for us. We, we will, uh, almost is going to almost baseball is going to face Purdue this weekend and they should sweep. Um, and then things get interesting because then we hit SEC play and open up against Vanderbilt. I so, thought you were going to say things got interesting because spring football starts. Um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a thing too, sure. And also Ted Lasso comes out. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, well, we will talk again soon, and uh, everyone, thanks for listening.